everyone, and welcome to this special edition of Employment Matters, brought to you by the Employment Law Alliance, the world's largest and most prestigious network of labor and employment lawyers from the best law firms around the globe. I'm your host, Peter Waltz. In this special edition, we've been focusing on specific issues affecting businesses and organizations that are impacted by the spread of COVID-19. If you'll recall, COVID-19 started in late 2019, probably the end of November. We are now approximately 120 days into the virus. And according to our internet service here, we've got 91,773 cases confirmed as of this morning, 80,945 in China. Italy has grown significantly to over 15,000 cases, South Korea 7,800, and in the U.S. 1,701 cases. And this morning is the first time that it's actually impacted my home and my business back in Pennsylvania where we have a handful of cases and two in my own hometown. So it's been interesting as we close our offices for the first time to realize that, you know, what was an observation for us months ago is now, is now quite a reality with our schools and our gymnasiums and our key businesses closed, our employees working off-site, all in the anticipation of dealing with what's been happening in other parts of the world, particularly starting in China. One of the unique things about the ELA is that we have law firms around the globe and we have the opportunity to bring our lawyers into the conversation whenever we have these challenging times. I'm on the call today with our friend Jeffrey Wilson. Jeffrey Wilson is from Junhe in China and Jeffrey's been on the ground helping clients dealing with us personally himself with uh, his kids at home and businesses changing and everything else. So Jeffrey, welcome to the program this morning. Thank you very much, Peter. So you know, I'm now dealing with what you and I've been talking about on a daily basis. And, uh, and it's starting to really wake up folks here in the U.S. as to what the potential challenges could be if we don't take some of the precautions that uh, clearly you started to do in China, which have turned things around there. But give us a sense of what the on-the-ground situation is in China and some of the daily life activities that you're experiencing. Well, I mean, we've, we've gone through this for, for weeks, literally. Um, I mean, it kind of really hit people in a sense, kind of maybe fortunately, it was just right before and during Chinese New Year where people were off. On the one hand, that maybe had spread the disease a bit because people were traveling around the country. But on the other hand, you know, people were not at work. And so China was able to extend the holiday and, you know, then some time off and then ease people back into work. So it wasn't really kind of like this maybe what you experienced just the last 24 or 48 hours in the United States. It's been more of a gradual buildup in China. But, you know, we've been dealing with it for literally weeks, as you said. And now it seems that we're coming out of it and, you know, people are going back to work. People, many of the workers who were away for the Chinese New Year, the extended long break, which was literally weeks, you know, are coming back. And, you know, the subways are more full of people. You know, I walked home tonight after work than on the subway. And I can see a lot more commuters and you know, the, the freeways are getting more packed with cars. So yeah, the economy is picking up. People are going back to work, but still my office is still not full. Um, many people still working from home and, and a lot of the factories and other, other industries, you know, are not fully staffed by any means. So it is going to take a while, but things are sort of returning to normal. And Jeffrey, when you're advising your international clients, which I imagine, you know, you being an international attorney yourself, also American-born and, and living in China, the sense of the feedback you're getting from U.S. clients and European clients, what are some of the key pressing issues that you're trying to advise them on these days? 
Well, first, I, I should explain that I've been here the whole time. I mean, many people, Chinese and foreigners, were gone for, say, Chinese New Year, and many of them haven't come back. But I've been hunkered down in here the entire time. So, yeah, I, I have a, a good, I think, a fairly good perspective of what's been going on. You know, initially, it was, okay, what are we going to do now? When, when can we get people back to work? Is it safe to go back to work? Can we require people to go back to work? You know, what should the employers do? Should they send them home? Do that to pay OT? What happens if they get quarantined? You know, who's going to pay for their salary then? There were all those issues going on. And at that time, our advice was, okay, the government wants things to be steady. Do not terminate people. Yes, you do have to pay people who are ill and are in quarantine. And yeah, just, just to keep things as steady as possible. You know, no mass layoffs. If you do need to reduce costs, negotiate with your employees maybe reduce some hours, you know, rotating shifts. And, and frankly speaking, that's what a lot of companies have done and what we've advised. And actually, that's what our office is doing. So we, when we came back to work, I think two weeks ago, initially, I think it was two days a week that people were coming in. And this next week, it's going to be three days a week. And, you know, and partly that's a safety measure, which probably the U.S. and other countries will follow as well. Because, I mean, if you have your entire staff in the office and one person is infected, well, they may infect everyone. But if you have one third of your staff in the office and they are infected, well, then maybe one third of your staff is infected. The other two thirds can come back to work the next day. So that was a strategy that was used and what the government encouraged. And so now we're going, you know, kind of into the next stage where, you know, companies are realizing, okay, how is this all going to work out? And, you know, the bite is starting to hit, you know, from, from various factors. You know, the, the trade dispute has been going on, you know, with the United States. So some exports have been down. And now, you know, you kind of hit with a realization that, well, wait, the tourism market is all dried up. Chinese exports may remain down for a long time because of trade restrictions. Also, the demand in the U.S. and Europe may dry up as well because the U.S. now has its own problems, whether they're going to buy anything. So the next stage is kind of like, well, okay, if companies do need to terminate people or do need to put people on furlough or on leave, how is that managed? And you know, China's got some very different rules than many you know, other countries around the world, particularly the United States. So you know, it is a challenge in terms of restructuring operations. It sounds like it, but the encouraging thing is, as I look at our numbers, I said there's 91,000 cases. There's been 150,000 cases, but of those 65,000 have recovered, the bulk of those in China. So you're right, you are ahead of the curve. And I think you know, we're now watching what the world thought was a problem in, in the Asia-Pacific region is now a global problem, but we're following the lead of what your country has done. And I think, you know, you're showing the right, the right guidance is that you do need to be conservative and set aside the space for people to stay away from work, get the work done as best you can. I'm challenged by those organizations that just can't do that. I mean, working from home for you and I with a laptop and an internet line is pretty easy, but, you know, automobile companies and labor forces and things like that, how have they been managing through these times? Some of the companies did not even go on break or shut down during the Chinese New Year or any time throughout this entire period. Like there's a big massive semiconductor facility that, that's near my home and, and there's a, a place where the employees live. And so I see them coming to work and I've seen them going the bus every day. Yeah, you know, some construction projects have been continually been operating. I, I think in that case, if the employees have been somewhat already kind of quarantine, like in construction workers were all living together. And so they were never mixing with other groups. And so they're pretty safe. And so they just kept working. So some things have, have continued. Now, the, like the auto plants, 
they came back to work fairly quickly. And so like Toyota and I think GM, they're certainly not at full capacity. And you know, there may not be demands right now for, for cars. I think the demand has plummeted for, for automobiles. But yeah, some industries have gone back earlier and the government you know, does want companies like that and manufacturers to start realizing, yeah, you can't build cars at home. The, the, the problem initially in China, and I don't know if you know, other countries will have this issue as well, it remains to be seen is that a lot of local jurisdictions started putting on their own rules, like self-quarantine themselves and not allowing outsiders in and not permitting people to go back to work or not permitting factories to go open and like an approval process for people to go back to work. And the central government says, look, look, you can't be so strict. They kind of overrode those local officials and say, look, we need to get the economy going and people going back to work. So stop standing in their way. I mean, actually, I had two of my neighbors were infected, literally in my neighborhood. So I personally saw what, what happened and how the authorities handled this. I mean, the, the health people just rushed in with, you know, with the white suits and, you know, spraying disinfected and cleaned out the house and rushed the two individuals and in two separate incidents off to one of the specialized hospitals that Shanghai had designated. And, you know, they were there for, I don't know, 14, 14 days until they were cleared. And then both of them came back. So, yeah, it does sometimes hit literally close to home. But yeah, you're right. I mean, most of the people are, are recovering. And I think, you know, one of the keys here is that people here really cooperated with the requirements of the government, not necessarily because they felt that they were forced to and they had to, if they didn't do it, they were going to be penalized. It was more of a sense of, you know, this is kind of the right thing to do. And I'm going to wear a mask out in public because it's the right thing to do. It may not necessarily help, but it's respectful to other people. And I will cooperate with kind of what the government wants me to do. And we'll all get through this together. And hopefully everything will work out well. And so far, that's happened. I mean, there weren't really complaints about when, yeah, I mean, the, the Chinese Sports League shut down months ago, right? Months, yeah. you know, literally. And movies shut down, you know, the restaurants, and, you know, everything. And, you know, there was no real outcry. And the requirements wear masks in the subway and do all these other things that, that people have to do. But, you know, I, I wonder whether that type of cooperation would exist in many other countries. And I, I think that is a key. You know, I had a conversation with our colleagues uh, from Kim and Chang in, in Korea last week, and they said the biggest challenge that the Korean culture is having is that they're so used to doing everything together that the notion of working in an isolated case at home when we normally work together in the office was really impede compliance within those those companies of employees going home because that's just not the way they roll. And as a result, the cases continued to mount and grow. And now they're having to face the reality that, you know, isolation is the key and that culture needed to respond that way. Same thing with Japan. They were having the same challenges. So it's, it's a very interesting time. And I think that it not only sobers businesses to have protocols and safety plans in place, Again, our, our staff here at the, at the ELA is, is just a handful of people, but yet we now have a policy in place and we are working remotely to comply with, uh, with challenges. So the one thing that does come out of this is, is just an overall awareness of where organizations need to be prepared when challenges like this strike. And, and that's been a lesson learned, an expensive one for sure. Well, yeah, remember, this is not the first time that China's had to deal with something like this. You know, I was here when SARS hit in 2003 or 2004, and our mobility, you know, was restricted. I mean, I could not leave Shanghai. 
you know, a lot was shut down. So China does have some experience with this. And I think that was useful. And I, yeah, I think the planning and also a lot of the companies, they really took this seriously. And literally, I could not go to work for several weeks. They would just not let me. And I had to have firm approval to set foot in the office. It was that strict. It's going to undoubtedly affect productivity. You know, for many companies, it's going to affect revenues and profits. There's no question about that. But, you know, I think the view is, okay, if you take this seriously, maybe you can therefore limit the damage and then recover quickly. Very true. So, Jeffrey, in terms of moving forward from here, I know people are going back to work. What do you feel the impact on Chinese businesses are going to be as it relates to the rest of the world? I know that demand has been down. There's been a challenge of receiving and sending goods from China. Now that we get back to work, what do you get a sense of is going to take place in terms of organizations opening up to receiving Chinese visitors and Chinese visitors getting back on the road and traveling outside of the region? and also the, the flow of goods and services from China back out to the rest of the world. How impacted is that going to be, and, and what's your sense of the severity of that? Well, I mean, I, I listened to Trump's speech live, and when he was announcing the travel ban against Europe, he also, and correct me if I'm wrong, he also indicated that the restrictions with China in terms of travel may be relaxed, because I think he recognizes the cases are going down. So maybe that's a bright spot. So maybe you know, the U.S. airlines, the Chinese airlines will start to fly back and forth and then I can go home um, and visit my parents a little bit more easily. So that's maybe one thing that will occur. You know, Chinese will be able to, to travel more. And I think the, particularly like Japan, Thailand, I mean, they need the Chinese tourism revenue right now. They've been hit hard because of that. So that's, that may be one bright spot. I think yeah, I, I discussed a little bit earlier about the, the trade and those issues, I think, at least for the short and medium term, you know, these manufacturers here are going to be hit hard and, you know, maybe have a difficult time recovering. And the employment situation in those companies may be severely impacted. You know, there was probably already a shift moving some of these, these manufacturers, like the low cost items, you know, to other countries, which kind of China wanted to encourage anyways. Some of these, these, these manufacturers, maybe they're polluting or they just don't want those industries to move elsewhere. So that's going to have a hard time recovering. I mean, there's more and more that the foreign business in particular that's in the service sector, and that may recover fairly well. I mean, I, I just read today that Apple has now reopened all their stores. I think as of today, you know, our good friend Starbucks, it seems like they're up and going and fairly busy as far as I can tell when I, when I walk by. Disneyland just has reopened part of the park as of, I think, this week. So those industries, entertainment will slowly recover, and that, that should be good in, in particular for foreign companies. So yeah, so you may see less manufacturing here and more services, but I think that was a long-term trend anyway. An interesting perspective. I know you've been on several of our ELA webinars recently. One of the things that the ELA does for those listening in is we run a series of live webinars also available on demand at our website which is ela.law forward slash webinars, and you can listen to some of our programs. We have a big one that's on early next week in the U.S. of how North American companies are trying to respond to the challenges they're having in the supply chain and, and other issues from companies that have cut down production and as a result have impacted their exports to the U.S. and how organizations are managed. And we've got over 1,200 companies already signed up for that. So what I think was an observation, and again, I started that at the top of the call, what I thought was an observation of what's going on in China 
is now such a global issue that the lessons learned here are really coming from how China is, has resolved this. Because you've gone through this several times, but it's been decades since we've had these kinds of crises in other areas of the world. So certainly China has been our teacher and, uh, and our experience in this. So we're grateful for that. We're challenged with what's happening, but at the same time, I think it brings the world together to almost more of a, a global consciousness that what happens in one place can easily happen in another and people need to be prepared for it. This has been a, a really compelling conversation and certainly directive to where the rest of the world is going. I'm so pleased that life is coming back to normal for you. So you're back in the office every day now? Or when will you be back? Yeah, I've been back this week and working. Not, as I said, not everyone is there, but we will ramp up and you know, hopefully get everyone back in as soon as possible. Well, we'll uh, continue to look to you to advise us on what's going on in that region. And again, Best of luck and safety to you and your family. And we really appreciate the insight you've shared with us this morning. My pleasure. For those listening in, again, this is Employment Matters, a podcast from the Employment Law Alliance. You can find us on the Apple Store or Spotify or your favorite podcast directory. Go ahead and subscribe to that. Listen into what our conversation has been like. Also, visit us on the web at ela.law. Follow us on LinkedIn at the Employment Law Alliance or on Twitter at ELA Global. For DLA, my name is Peter Waltz. Thanks for listening. <music>